welcome back to another episode of Hey Alexa. Today I have Dr. Biga Gregory. She's a board certified emergency medicine physician who now focuses on aesthetic, cosmetic, and holistic medicine. And she co-wrote a chapter in The Grateful Soul. Today, we're going to talk all about our journey from becoming a emergency medicine doctor to now focusing more on the, the aesthetic and holistic. Hi. Hi, Dr. Viga. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. really appreciate that. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I know you focus a lot on like holistic and like the mental health aspect. And I think it's so important because um, we don't have a lot of doctors that do. So <laughs> agreed. <laughs> um, so I would love to just hear your journey, like, cause you were at one point now you're no longer an emergency medicine physician. So how did you, how was that transition? What was that like? Well, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, but essentially it was, um, I, I see this as uh, universal signals, if you will. These are some signals that came to me uh, that got louder and louder, right? When the universe wants to make you change direction, it won't leave you in a complacent space. It, it, it provides some sort of pressure, if you will, to ask you to, to start moving, right? So um, ultimately, um, I've chose emergency medicine because I really enjoyed the blend of procedures as well as medicine and taking care of people in multiple aspects. I liked the concept of surgery when I was back in medical school, but I didn't necessarily want to get rid of all of the medical knowledge that I had compiled and surgeons have a tendency. You know, I mean, you, you, you remember what you practice, right? So, and then in terms of if I stuck with simply regular internal type medicine, then I wouldn't be my hands as much, which I didn't love. And I've always been uh, interested in right brain sort of activities. I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. I like to paint. Um, I like to do art with my hands. So I definitely loved having the opportunity to do that. But ultimately what happened was I started feeling this, this sense of angst or something mm -hmm. wasn't, or, and the stress levels started to increase in the department. Basically my perception started to change, if you will. Yeah. And, um, as I, as I'm a proponent of the mind body connection, it definitely led to that. Um, my emotional discomforts and my dis-ease led to disease. Uh, basically what happened was in September of 2015, I was, um, taking a prescription medication called trazodone. Um, I was taking all different types of prescription medications of, because of, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, sleep disorder, if you will, because I was um, always working a different shift in the ER. It's very common for people to have sleep disorders in the emergency department, but of course it got worse and worse over time. The older you get, the harder it is. And that's something I talk about a lot when I talk about holistic medicine with people is how important their sleep is. And yeah, get on with that later. But <laughs> so anyways, um, this particular medication I was switched to because I didn't want to stay on anything particularly addictive, right? Your ambience yeah. and your, and so I chose to try to steer away from those because I found myself taking them more often in the month. And ultimately what happened was I was out to dinner the, the night before um, with my husband and knowing that I had to work at a 6am shift the next morning, we came home early and I um, took, took my medication, I'd say probably around 8 p.m. And I turned out that I was sleepwalking. Can't, can't tell you what happened after that because I woke up in a dark room. I have travertine floor. I woke up face down 
um, in a dark room. And when I lifted my face off the ground, I could feel blood all over me. <gasps> oh my goodness. Um, when I went to the bathroom, my face was crushed. Like it was, I had like a, basically a baseball shaped hematoma on my forehead, my nose. I had slashes all over my face. I went into the shower to rinse off. My husband walked in like, what's going on? What, what happened here? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then I started throwing up. So um, being that my husband is a paramedic and firefighter for Phoenix, he took me straight to the ER because he, it was clear that I had a head injury that had led to vomiting, which could be of one of many things, right? So yeah. blood, in the, blood inside the skull was something he was obviously concerned about. So he took me to the ER and being that I worked there, I was treated, you know, as actually I was treated as a level one trauma, even though technically <laughs> I didn't get involved in a motor vehicle accident or anything to that degree, <laughs> it allowed for them to do is to, um, initiate all of the potential uh, subspecialists to help me with, with whatever needed, like a trauma surgeon, neurosurgeon, et cetera, et cetera, depending on what my condition or what was happening. So what, what ha happened was I had a severe concussion. I broke my skull in four places and um, I was essentially a vegetable and couldn't read, write or watch TV or do anything to any real degree for weeks and weeks thereafter. Um, that was my first wake up call from the universe. It was a very loud one. And it turned out it was from a heart arrhythmia because my heart had skipped or stopped beating with the medication, which was why I wouldn't know I, when yeah. I face, I didn't stop my fall, if you will. Right. My hands wouldn't come out in front of me because I wasn't conscious. My heart had stuck. So that was a big, oh my gosh. I was thrown right back into the emergency department working shifts yet again. And it was kind of that time of in our careers where we were, we were all, we were a group that owned the practice, if you will, emergency medicine and other groups, medical groups have a tendency, like um, I would call it a phase where the physician ownership was really powerful for a while. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of them have since sold off to bigger conglomerates. Yeah. And so uh, we had just sold to a bigger conglomerate and we were kind of beholden to stay for five years as like a no, non-compete. And so, I don't know, I guess you could tell, like something was going on in my life. Right. And I was questioning. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, so crazy. And, yeah. So I was working harder than I wanted to. And I was stressing harder than I wanted to. And literally not one year later. So May of 2016, I was at work again. Well, this time it wasn't, sorry, I was at work and I um, actually, no, I was at home when I woke up and I felt what I thought was a crick in my neck, you know, um, yeah. for it is tor torticollis. I woke up with a discomfort in the left side of my neck and I thought I had slept wrong. That day I had off. It was a Saturday. I went to, um, I'm a very physically active person. I work out. I, I, I snowboard, I scuba dive, but this day I felt I couldn't get on these slides with my son who's nine or back then he was six or seven, um, because the pain was bad enough. Um, so I kind of sucked it up, took some Motrin, whatever. Next day I had a three to midnight shift, woke up with the next same discomfort, but it was a little more profound and it got, it felt a little deeper Yeah. throughout my shift. The pain got started getting aching and throbbing, went into my shoulder blade. Then I'm getting starting to get nervous because I've already taken Motrin and Tylenol and it's starting to affect my day, if you will, like my ability to concentrate and focus on patient care to the point where I had a medical scribe who was working with me. All their job is to do is to document our history and um, physical that we do. Yeah. With the patient. 
I begged her to take a needle and inject my back because I was in so much pain. I wanted her to go into our suture cart and find the lidocaine and inject my back. I said, you've got to do something. And she was terrified. You can only imagine. She's not right? have any medical background to that degree. But I was like, I promise you can't hurt me. Just this is what you have to do. Just do it. So she did it like almost in tears, like, okay, whatever it takes, Doc, I'll help you. But it didn't obviously fix the problem. It just bought me just a little bit of time. And then ultimately when the pain got this bad, it felt like a broken wing. I was like, I had my uh, arm on the side like this. I go, I don't know what this is. What is this? And then it, suddenly it went into my fingers and then I knew, right? Once it goes to your fingers, you're like, oh God, nerve pinch, right? Yeah. The problem was I was, we worked at two different hospitals and the, the hospital I was working the shift at at that time does not have certain capabilities. They're not a level one trauma center, but our partner hospital was. So I actually had to tell my staff and the other doctors, I need to go. And I left the shift, which is super weird. Okay. Like that doesn't happen. Um, and I, um, went off to the other hospital, drove myself there, checked myself into the ER and found out through an MRI that was compared to the one the year before when I had my head injury, that whatever had happened from me falling, there was a weakness that was created in my neck and my cervical spine. So wow. at C4, the disc shot out, compressed the nerve. That's what the first pain I was feeling was the initial, it created, yeah. ultimately the pain when it got really bad was because it squeezed itself right out. So it was, it's like having, if I could explain anything like a heart attack of some body part, right? Like, except it wasn't blood vessel. It was nerve related. And I, I can't explain to you when you cut off a blood supply to a body part or a nerve supply to a body part, there's no pain medicine in the entire world that can help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can only like, imagine. So I was in terrible pain. I remember the surgeon offering me a conservative treatment, which would imply I would be taking pain pills and getting injections. And I just had this flashback of all my chronic pain patients who show up for their fix. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be an opiate addict. No. I'm like crying. I'm like, please. No. I'm like, uh, my dad's a surgeon. He would tell me if he was sitting right here to just get cut open, I'd get it done. I just, just cut me doc. Just take me to surgery, whatever you had to do. So he did that within 24 hours. He took me into the operating room and he, he removed part of that disc and sewed up the injured area and put me back in this. Wow. Long, but ultimately that was a wake up call to the experience with what, what happened with my parents. And I don't want to go into major detail, but ultimately what happened was that woke us up to the, like our family dynamics that were, were deteriorating over time with my husband and son and with my parents Right after my surgical experience, I had some complications and I ended up becoming estranged from them. And I just, to st start with this, I've always been my parents' show pony. I've always been the good girl and the golden child, if you yeah. will. And so this became like a complete rupture of that dynamic. And, all, and also I can tell you that one of my healing experiences also started then because I had a peptic ulcer disease, stomach ulcers for many years. Ultimately, it started, it, it starts from like wanting that approval so badly. So once that rupture of relationship happened, I, I like my world was turned upside down because now I wasn't getting approval from the uh, quote authority figure I thought I needed it from. Yes. The love was not quite there to the degree. And so basically that was 
the universe was putting me in this extreme position where my parents were acting like completely in a way that I would never predict and vice versa. They, they thought the same about me that like I had two years to like rediscover myself and become a, the kind of person I'd never thought I would be, which is more of me where I, I turned this into self-love. I started reading more um, books about personal development. I started doing more meditation. I started changing my lifestyle in a tremendous degree. Yeah. And what led that led me to was starting to realize that I could do something else. And I did, I could still be a doctor, but I had the confidence to, to say, I can do this. So I literally left a board certified emergency medicine practice where I was getting a very reasonable salary at this point instead of profit yeah. sharing and left it. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with the first sure thing. I'm going to do something unknown because that's where miracles happen is when you choose the unknown. Yeah. So that's what happened. I opened my doors to Vital Connection MD in 2018 with zero patients. And I never look back because everything I do now is because I want to do it because it makes me glow. It makes me flow. Yeah. You know, I went from saving lives to changing lives. And now I can redefine medicine in such a way that I'm even cured of peptic ulcer disease simply because I made changes with my dis-ease. So my disease changed, right? And I started using books like this, which the audience can't see, but you can. It's yeah. called Anatomy. It's a game changer. It's basically like a dictionary or library of diagnosis <laughs> where um, once you read the diagnosis, you'll see the emotional disorders or processes that happened that led to that diagnosis. So when I read the peptic ulcer disease one, it was basically about the need for approval from a family of origin and how it eats you alive inside when you don't get it. And, um, uh, when you speak your truth, um, you're often dismissed yeah. and accept it. And when people tell you things like, Oh, you shouldn't do this and you should do this because the approval need is so important. Like you forget about your own authority and yeah. you start for other people, which was basically what I was doing from childhood until age 42. And then ultimately I realized, you know, through lots of these changes that I didn't need that anymore. And I started um, also learning things like every pharmaceutical that there is in a pharmacy, the body can make, which is so cool because I'm teaching people and empowering them to heal themselves without the use of pharmaceuticals. So I've made a really big change in how I practice medicine and teach people to heal too. Because my stomach ulcer and my peptic ulcer disease is gone. Why? Because my life is different. Change That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. Isn't that cool. And I, I, I was able to, I actually started doing, I started heal that healing process through meditation. Deepak Chopra says, like I said about the pharmaceuticals. So I started meditating that I had those medicines already in my body. I started imagining the caraphate, which is like a chalky material that coats your is really helpful for peptic ulcer pain. I imagine that coating my stomach in my meditations. And usually if I would stop my medicine within three days, I was desperate to get back on because of the symptoms were so bad. When I started it in this, this time around, which was three or four years ago, third day happened, still no symptoms. So this, at this point I'm like, yes, let's keep going. Oh my God. So every day I kept meditating until finally like weeks on in, I'm like, I'm in, it's done. And it is, yeah. 
I don't have symptoms like that anymore. They might come every once in a while, but they're usually more diet induced and they're yeah. certainly more daily like they used to be. That was since the age of 16 and I'm 47 now. So I'm super grateful. And that's how I'm teaching because of my own personal transformations that led me to a place where I'm becoming more of my best self. I want to teach other people to do it too. Yeah. So the life offer, the injectables I offer, the IV therapy, the hormone therapy, that's all like just part of the journey. You know, what a cool jumpstart to have a body. I've had two of them myself. Uh, And I always tell people, you know, we're sometimes our, I shouldn't say sometimes we're often our worst enemies. Yeah. The sabotage, the self-talk. I always talk to people about how many times do you walk in front of the mirror and you say something to yourself that's not positive? All the time. Your reflection somewhere and you start adjusting mm-hmm. in your clothing to hide things. That affects your energy. That affects your vibrational state. And imagine when you're being encountered by another person who wants to engage your focus at that moment that you're self-sabotaging. Yeah, what do you need? What? 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 What do you need? Right? Yeah. You're, it's not just inside. You're putting it out there. And so I tell people, when you change your perception, your reality changes. So imagine if somebody has this really cool, minimally invasive procedure where you're not dealing with stitches and it's not like you can't drive for you know three weeks and it's not like you're in bed. You're literally working out within a 48 hours. You're going back to work. You're doing things where you know life isn't being taken away from you. You don't have that cosmetic surgery regret. <laughs> you're jump-started and your perception of yourself changes, how that changes your day, the energy you put out, the posture changes, the, the verbiage, the, the interactions you make with other people. It changes a lot of things, not just how you look. For sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing how you got started. I think it's so amazing because it's when you experience something for yourself, that's when you can really understand it. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, what I try to share with people is that vulnerability is a strength where I grew up thinking it was a weakness. I I grew up believing that vulnerability was weak and I don't do that anymore. Vulnerability is extremely strong and vulnerable. When you share with people, your see, I, you know, I'm still finding myself having to like rephrase the word weaknesses, right? Yeah. Where you have your lesser strengths. You want to call them that. When you share that with other people, that creates a feeling of community, right? So isolation is what brings people's um, vibration level down and their immune system down. And I couldn't tell, I could tell it spent hours talking about that. And human beings were meant to be in a community. Human beings were meant to be with one another. And our immune systems are built by that. Our allergies and systems are built by that, by exposure, not by isolation. Right. So when I share with somebody, like if somebody shares with me a life experience that affected them profoundly, I try to find ways where I can see a place of commonality there where I can say, oh my God, I went through this kind of pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes people um, perceive me in that, that perspective of like, eh, she's, oh, whatever. She's a doctor and she's nice to look, to look at. She's whatever. She's got it all going for her. And she doesn't never seen a bad day in her life. It's okay. <laughs> the whole reason I am what I am is because I've seen many bad days. Exactly. None of us, none of us are immune to it. No. Poor, 
gender, uh, you know, cultural background, skin color. Nobody is. Not immune to life's traumas. It's how we deal with them, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I have a, I've been spending a lot of time outside of just really honing my skill in liposuction into like learning more about how to speak to people. Cause I look forward to someday speaking to crowds of people where I can see their eyes. I can see their body language and they can see mine. Yeah. Cause in audio and video is where I feel I can make the most impact sharing with people profound words that make them just light up. you like epiphanies. I call them downloads. <laughs> so I like Wayne Dyer and lately Jim Rohn and Jack Canfield actually lately. And I've read books from um, Eckhart Tolle, who I really appreciate. And Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton are more on the scientific side. I'm very impressed by their works because they're really amazing at um, at, um, combining the scientific data that they've gathered over the course Mm -hmm. of their and, and into the spiritual and metaphysical realm of life. And that's what I like. I like being the bridge. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. And that's actually yeah. what, where it is. Like you need that, you need both sides because you still need science, but you need the other side too, the spiritual side, the energy, like it, to me, it'll work better doing both ways. Absolutely it does. And also I think what helps is, um, being with providers that look the part, if that makes sense. And it doesn't necessarily mean in healthcare. It could mean anything you do, right? Hair, hair styling, um, physical, uh, personal training, all of that. Yeah. Looking that when you speak to that expert, if you will, are they practicing what they're preaching? And, and nine times out of 10, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a little bit of a jerk to my medical community. Nine times out of 10, these MDs do not look the part. Yep. And most of the time, it's not necessarily about physical. I'm not necessarily saying like, there's right. a bunch of, there, you know, that's not my point. My point is their emotional quotient is just as important as their intellectual quotient. And if they can't, if they can't. Oh, Amen. Their, <laughs> right? And if they can't get beyond their egos, then there's no learning experience there. And there's no healing experience there. Oh, that, yeah. Because again, the mind body is so, so powerful. Like examples are made in, let's say, I think it was in Joe Dispenza's, you are the placebo where these people will go see a doctor because they don't feel well, usually to do with what's going on in their life. Right. Doctor gives them a death sentence and they die. Why? Because the belief system is that powerful. Yeah. Right. No, that sounds like a very rare case. It's not. There are right. so many of, of patients where I, the patient was told many years ago that they couldn't do this and they'll never be cured of this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they believe them. And that's, that's what they manifested. And I've also been witness to and personally affected by the opposite effect, which is when you empower somebody, and you tell them there's nothing in the human body that is an irreversible everything is reversible. If you study medicine in the quantum realm, not the Newtonian physics realm, you will see things can change in an instant because it starts with vibration. Our matter is not actually palpable matter. It's just vibration at different frequencies. Yeah. We have to relearn. Honestly, that's why I love Bruce Lipton so much. We have to re- relearn medicine to a, a great degree so we can really understand how the human body works. And the human body is so interconnected brain and the thought processes 
we have to understand that. And then also the mind gut, right? Gut yeah. is important too. Your gut is an extremely good um, uh, um, message giver of what's mm-hmm. actually at time too. And so is your skin. Yeah, everything. It really is. It's all interconnected. Absolutely. So um, basically, yeah, I'm no longer impressed by the quote, super smart scientist, doctor, etc. That does not impress me anymore. What really impresses me is speaking to somebody who has a true sense of self, self worth, self love, and empowerment and community, and who has a sense of purpose in their life, who's ready to serve others. Like, that's why I'm here. I'm so here to serve others. What does that mean for me? That means empowering them to show them that what's so important is love yourself first. It's so important. I'm going to teach you how to love yourself because I, there were so many days where I hated myself. I, I mean, yeah. I, just, I could tell you about self-worth <laughs> fertility. I had infertility issues for many years. So I, I identified with that to the degree that I, again, had the, the for symptoms or the problem persisted because of my belief system. Yeah. I don't now, but that's because my belief system changed. But back then I didn't feel like a woman. I didn't feel empowered. Like there's so many ways that, you know, we self-sabotage and we, and that um, we don't realize the long-term impacts of those things because they're small in the day to day to day, but over the course of years, that's what leads to the problem. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can my listeners find you? Oh, okay. My favorite place for people to see me um, where I can, where I do uh, a lot of my before and afters, obviously, but also I do every Sunday, something called sometimes on Monday called meta moments where I'm going through some kind of personal development book or article and spending 10 or 15 minutes talking about the mind body connection. So find me on Instagram, vital underscore connection, underscore MD. That would be my Instagram handle. I am on Facebook as well. Just not as profound there. And then my website is www.vitalconnectionmd.com. All right. That'll be in the description below. And before I let you go, um, we're going to play a quick game. Um, okay. where I like to ask five quick questions, uh, rapid fire. Okay. The first one is drink of choice. Water, um, Kangen water. It's a long story. It's a medical grade water. pH is 9.5 microparticle antioxidant. It's I talk about it a lot. I give it away to my patients. Water. <laughs> I need to drink more. I've been trying. It's it's not easy, but I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> Much about Kangen water down the line. It's an incredible water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question is favorite movie or TV show or both. Well, honestly, lately, because I could say there's a lot, but I'm going to say The Matrix. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've actually never seen it, but I, uh, it's been a few people's favorites. I really think we're living in The Matrix, and I think there's finally many people have taken the red pill. I barely took it recently, so in the last few years. So um, I'm waiting for every people. I'm waiting for the Great Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> um, advice to give your younger self. Oh my goodness. Nobody is your own true authority, but you. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Five words to describe you. Oh, full of energy. Sorry. That's not a big look. So energy, 
passion, joy, excitement, dedication. I can see all of them <laughs> and how, even how you said it. And the last one is, um, what does success mean to you? Success is the compilation of, to me of um, daily um, choices that are made that are fundamental and disciplined and lead you to the ultimate success. So it's basically a compilation of daily choices that are in alignment for you. I love that or the manifestation of those daily choices. Well, I love that. And thank you again for coming on and talking with us. Um, I learned a lot and I hope my listeners did too. And this was another episode of Hey Alexa, and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.